2: What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to another episode of the Brooklyn Buzz podcast presented by otgbasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me as always, my Australian friend, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack?
3: Happy holidays. Merry, happy new year to all our Nets fans out there.
2: Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you to celebrate. Uh, Happy new year, like Jack said. You know, it's the Nets haven't given us any gifts, but Jack, I want to ask you, did you get any good basketball gifts for Christmas?
3: I did, mate. Um, Like yourself, as you mentioned on the NBA outlet, I got the uh, Shea Sharano's awesome book, basketball and other things. Uh, My mum works at uh, the Salvation Army, so she got me some cool throwback retro jerseys, Uh, a a Larry Bird jersey and a Penny Hardaway Orlando Magic jersey. I've always wanted a magic one. I mean, it's not Shaq, but it's still Penny's Penny's second best, and I think they're pretty cool. I mean, I'm hoping in the new year to to cop me one of those uh, new Brooklyn Nets City Edition jerseys.
2: Yeah, no, Jack, that is awesome to get some retro jerseys. And like you said, I also got that book. Honestly, getting some basketball gifts is great. I got a couple, you know, key change ornaments from actually Corey Waldron, who I host NBA outlet with. But my main Nets gift, I got some Nets tickets. I'm going going to Barclays January 1st, starting off the new year right against Orlando Magic. So we'll definitely be talking about that game. But before we get started talking Nets, just a reminder, you can listen to Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and otgbasketball.com. But sadly, Jack, the Nets have not given us any gifts. They're on a three-game losing streak. A loss against the Pacers in overtime, 119-123. Then a loss on the road to the Spurs, 97-109. And then the loss last night to the Pelicans, which was tough to watch, 113-128. What has been your feeling about this three-game losing streak?
3: It's it's almost like I didn't expect many wins out of these three games, Nick, but the, the thing that was probably most disappointing was that, that, uh, that Pelicans game. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was sort of symptomatic of the, the Raptors game that we mentioned in previous podcasts, the fact that we just really lacked the energy, lacked the engagement. And that's when the Nets, they, they don't have the talent to be able to do like a Warriors and just go, oh, we'll go down by 20 by and then we'll just come back and win the game. We don't have the talent or the depth to do that. Like, yes, yes, we have Nick Stauskas, who is amazing. <laughs> but um, other than that, there's no one, there's no really way for us to get back in games on, like, come back on huge stretches. We don't have, you know, a a superstar player. Maybe if we had a D-Low or a Jeremy Lin right now in our squad, it would help things. But we don't really have any high-level talent. So it's always going to be that team effort. Everyone needs to be engaged.
2: Yeah, Um, and I think that kind of hits on a point about the Nets in general. It's like they need to play the complete game. You know, against the Pelicans, they had that nice third quarter. You know, they almost made that comeback. They had the long run. They played a good first half. You know, they're in that game. You look at the Pacer game, they had the nice lead. They blow that. If they play a complete game, that's a nice win. The Spurs game, on the other hand, there wasn't a ton they can do. Losing to the Spurs in San Antonio, it's not that bad of a thing. A lot of good teams do it. But, you know, the the Pacer game, when you have, I think, what, 16- or 17-point lead, you got to be able to hold on to those games and get the win, especially, like you said, we're not that talented of a team. So when we have that type of opportunity, we need to capitalize. Last night against the Pelicans, some of it I think is energy, but also the fact that uh, big man-wise, we had – I remember looking at this matchup and just being like, yo, what are the Nets going to do with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins? And cool, they had yeah. no answers.
3: Yeah, they destroyed us in the paint as expected, Nick. And when normally, I mean, it's part of our, our offensive identity, you know, the in and out game. But when you've got the two, probably the best big men, you know, with Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns in the league right now, and there's just no stopping them. Um, you know, Jared Allen can only do so much. That um, That block on Anthony Davis was like, that's something that goes on ESPN Top 10. And the fact that he's doing that in his first season, I don't think there's going to be many rookies that are going to block Anthony Davis this season. Um, that's for sure. So that was a highlight for me, um, despite the fact that we uh, it was probably one of our worst games um, performance-wise. But yeah, and funnily enough, Nick, the, the two losses, um, two of the three losses against the Pacers and the, and the Pelicans, just looking on basketball reference, our two worst defensive ratings came in those games, 125 points per 100 possessions. And 127.9 points per 100 possessions. So, I mean, you can take that with a grain of salt, but the fact that that's coming right now, maybe you know, the Nets are sort of looking forward to getting back home. You know, we struggled a little bit on the road, but um, you know, heading back to Barclays, I think we're 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 due for a win or two.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think being on the road, I think some of it is, you know, just like you said, the Nets aren't talented enough when they don't have the energy. You know, they don't have the talent to kind of make up for it. So if they don't play hard the whole game, they're going to be in trouble. What would you say was the bright spot of the three-game losing streak? What has stuck out to you that you know you're like, all right, I can I can find some silver lining to this?
3: Yeah, for me, Nick, it's two things. So, for one, it's my uh, adult son, as I've mentioned before, Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had five offensive rebounds, career high in in those two games um, before the Pelicans game. So the Pacers and the the Pacers and the Spurs. Uh, paces and the spurs so the fact that he's so active there is really uh really exciting because you know you look at a guy like a steven adams uh, a guy like a deandre jordan and a Click power uh offensive rebounding is a really underrated uh, skill in today's nba you know john collins who for me has been probably the best big man rookie this year is the only other rookie this season to have multiple games of five plus offensive rebounds so he's in good company there Jarrett. um and his defensive engagement, for me, has looked really good. He also hit that three, which was nice. Um, so the signs from Jared Allen are really promising. And also the pairing of, of the two former uh, college teammates, Karis Levert and were it's been awesome. You know Levert in December shooting, uh, 50% overall, 40, almost 45% from three. And in the seven games that Siasis has been back with our, with our nets, he's averaging 10 points off the bench shooting, almost 49% overall. And 57.6% from three. If he makes wow. two more th- two more three-pointers straight, Nick, his next two three-pointers, he's going to be at 60% from deep. Now, I think we need a new version of hot sauce. Like, we need the habanero sauce for him. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, getting, it's getting wild with Stasis, but um, he's been a great addition for us.
2: Yeah, honestly, Stauskas has been a nice surprise. You know, talking about that trade, everybody was, like, worried about Okafor. But Stauskas lighting it up from three, maybe that's something the Nets can develop. You know, develop him into a player like Joe Harris has expanded his game a little bit. Stauskas, obviously, has shown he can light it up from three. And it's not wide open threes. He's hitting some real tough ones, too. But I agree. Jared Allen's been nice. You know, if there's been some issues where you see the mistakes. And obviously, the lack of size, I think, has been shown in the last few games. But the blocks on Anthony Davis, the offensive rebounds, hitting the three, just, you know, some of the adjustments he's making, obviously plenty of room for improvement, but you've seen a lot of nice things. And me personally, I just enjoy Karis Lavert. you know, probably my favorite player on the team. And the way he's playing right now in December, like you said, shooting great, scoring, setting up his teammates, you know, just having a player like him moving forward, I think it's going to help the net so much. And I think even the more he plays, the more comfortable he's starting to get, you know, the more he's starting to realize, you know, if I get a guy in this position, I'm going to be able to score here, or if I use a fake, or he's kind of, comboing his moves a little bit better. You know, earlier in the season, he was kind of using some of these moves, getting in the paint, but getting himself in trouble. Now he's kind of slowing it down and being like, all right, this guy does this, I'll counter with this. And it's really worked out well for the Nets and Karis LeVert. So I've been hyped to watch LeVert.
3: Yeah, the IQ you can see already, Nick, with a lot of our players, obviously there's so much youth there. And you mentioned before about Karis LeVert, you know, the, the amount of games that he's played across his career. He's almost still... A rookie, and uh, in in many senses of the word, so his IQ on the court, and, and I think, is something that's really coming together. And basketball IQ for me is one of the most underrated skills you can have, just that awareness. And I think playing at playing at the point for a lot of it uh, is really helping that. And same with Jared Allen, just Jared Allen learning to know what his body can do. You know, we all know the seven six wingspan. But um, I, like I said, is there going to be how many players have blocked Anthony Davis this year? It's 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 and the fact that a twenty-year-old boy um, that looks like a Harlem Lone Trotter that hasn't <laughs> had his breakfast today um, can do it—it's it's pretty outstanding.
2: Yeah, I think Jared Allen's definitely an exciting piece. Just you know, watching him literally grow up and hit that you know mid twenties or that lower twenties where you start to put on some more muscle, I think will be huge for him because obviously, like you said, the wingspan, the athleticism, the understanding of the game is definitely there. Another guy that we both love, Rondé Hollis jefferson has been another bright spot, I don't think, too. You know, that post, I think it's confirmed now. The mid-range game is there. I was watching the game with Corey yesterday, and he was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize Rondé could really knock down these shots because he's uh, almost a-, a lock in the mid-range. Obviously, some situations aren't great for him, but giving the Nets a score like that has been huge. And then, obviously, he's always plays with high energy. And I think over the last, you know, maybe the three games or even more so this month, His passing has improved a little bit this year. I've seen him hit a couple more difficult passes that he wasn't hitting earlier in the season.
3: I think the thing with Rondé now, Nick, is the fact that I'm almost coming to expect it from him, which is a good thing. Like, you know, last season, it's like we would be surprised by the fact that, oh, Rondé's had this great game. But the consistency, he's been our most consistent player by a country mile. Um, And it's almost like, you know, I expect him to put up a 15-7 game like on a nightly basis, depending on his minutes. And, you know, get a block or two in there, maybe a three, and get to the line a few times. I'm almost expecting him from Ronda, and I'm disappointed if he doesn't. Now, that expectation, I think, is only going to increase him further because then he has to work on new things. He's going to have to maintain that consistency. And through 30, 35 games, he's certainly done it. So I'm really excited to see how the season keeps on progressing for Ronda, and if he can maintain that form. I certainly think he can, and I think it's only up for him.
2: And low-key, Rondé's hit a couple threes this month, and they haven't looked terrible. You know, it's not like he needs to be a lockdown three-point shooter like we've mentioned, just enough where they have to respect him a little bit that he can space the floor enough for the Nets. So Rondé's improvement is obviously something that's very exciting. What would you say has been, you know, one of the worst, the negative points that you've noticed in this losing streak? It could be a player or a certain thing that the Nets do.
3: I think it's, it, we almost live and die by the three, Nick. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's our, our ability de- to defend in general, um, just the, the engagement for me. Sometimes the effort can, can wane. Um, and, and, and I think that's one thing for me that I, I, I can't, I can't accept, you know, I can accept bad play, bad passes, turnovers, you know, if they're within the scheme of the offense and if within there, like, you know, you engage, you're, you're locked in. But that's the thing that really annoys me the most when we, you know, we seem like we're, we're lackadaisical out there. Um, and also, f- for me, Alan Crabb, uh, there was an article on Nets Daily, um, who will uh, keep on posting absolutely amazing stuff, um, comparing the amount of drives per game with some of our wings compared to Alan Crabb. So Joe Harris has 3.5 per game. Uh, Nick Scassons has 4.8. Spencer did when he has 11, and D'Angelo in his time had 12. But Alan Crab has the lowest of our perimeter players at 2.8. And... Coach Kenny has mentioned the fact that he really needs to get more engaged there on the closeouts because guys close out on him hard. He knows that's going to happen. There's been times where he has shown his ability to just get there and whether it's, you know, pull up for a mid-range job, which he looks okay at, and then finish around the rim or, you know, get some contact and get to the line. I think that's one thing he needs to You know, he needs to bring that average to, up to about five per game, I think. Um, if he can get... Like, because Stauskas should not be able to do more than him. You know, Stauskas has you know, great talent and is great for, for energy spurts. But Alan Crabb is a guy we're paying, you know, hefty money to. We're expecting a lot from him. And I think he needs to continue to improve, especially on that um, closeout.
2: Yeah, I think he needs to do all the little things that Joe Harris does. All the yeah. things that Joe Harris does that, you know, he's developed and, you know, last season he wasn't doing. You know, hitting Jared Allen on some of the passes for the easy dunks, driving to the, la- the rim on a Kawhi Leonard and finishing. I think Alan Crabb sometimes, you just need to drive to the rim. Maybe you're not going to make the layup, but it's still enough to make the defense respect you a little bit more. And, hey, there's a chance you're going to get a foul, especially if the guy has to recover and he's running over towards you. Alan Crabb's not a terrible finisher, so he should be able to get to the rim a little bit more. And like you said, it's just like the guys are are chasing him hard off the three-point line, so that's an available thing for him to do. I would agree. Alan Krabs probably been somebody who's been somewhat of a disappointment. It's just like the Nets are a different team when he's actually good. And when he's yeah. bad and not hitting his shots, it's such like a downfall for the Nets, especially with the injuries. So I think one thing that's hurt on this uh, – that you've noticed on this losing streak, and I think in general, is probably some of the roster – you know, yep. some of the fact that the front court just isn't that good in terms of, not, you know, the forward, the uh, power forward and center position. You know, when we match up against a team like the Spurs or the Pelicans or even to the Pacers to an extent, we're going to have issues unless we, like you said, play super hard, focused. And we have to play really good help defense and rebound as a team because we don't have the pieces on our roster. And even like that power forward position is kind of empty. Like we have Rondé, who's not even a true four. And then we have AC, who's just, you know, this inconsistent monster who (laughs) sometimes can knock down his threes. Other times he's shooting two or ten from three, you know, turning the ball over with a minute left in the game. So I think, you know, that front court, that power forward and center position are definitely a problem. And, like, you know, you can't rely on Jared Allen forever and Tyler Zeller's a solid guy. But, like, last night we had to play Moskoff. And when you play Moskov, you're really just – just you can't expect your team to build on that. They're going to probably lose more points than they're going to
3: gain. Do you think the the nets make a move there, Nick? Do you reckon we try and get a, a a power forward to sort of you know slot in either coming off the bench or just to give us some depth there? Do we make a you know do we use the mid level uh, the trade exception that we have with um, Jeremy Lin's injury or do we you know make a trade?
2: Honestly, I would not be surprised if maybe they went the G League route, but I definitely would like to probably see some new blood in there at the four position. I think it's pretty apparent that AC just isn't that guy right now. And they need someone to play to give Rondé some, uh, you know, a break. And Carroll's been good at the three, and it seems like they don't want to play him too much at the four. So maybe they pick up somebody. I think the only way they trade for a player at the four is either if it's an amazing fit and they're benefiting getting some type of second round pick or something, you know, on a salary dump, or if it's a young player that maybe there's a chance that he can get better and he's an expiring contract. I don't think there's any chance for a big move.
3: Yeah, and I, I, the Ringer posted an article. Kevin O'Connor posted an article the other day. Um, uh, saying like the, the trade deadline obviously is is rapidly approaching, and the top fifteen players to to watch out for. And there was a couple of, to me that sort of like you know when we were talking about the the power forward position that sort of came to mind for me. Um, you know, Dario Sharic from the the Philadelphia 76ers has been playing very well, but he doesn't that's seem to really fit. One. It doesn't seem to really fit with what they're doing right now. Um, now the Nets just made a trade with with Philly, um, so there is that I guess existing sort of relationship with Sean Marks and Brian Colangelo. Um, I think it was a move that benefited both parties. Um, and, you know, the with the acquisition of Trevor Booker, they're almost stacked a bit too much in terms of their big men. You know, you've got Amir Johnson and Rashawn Holmes, who are also playing basketball. Dario Saric, where does he fit in that system? Um, so I would love for, for the Nets to make a move for him because he's still got that youth about him. Um, I think we could fit in really nicely. And I think he would in- benefit from an increased well because he puts up numbers, and he was almost rookie of the year last year. I, I think a lot of us he probably should. That I think it was the last sort of 20, 30 games when um, Embiid was out, and he really he really showed out. Um, so he's he's a he's a guy that I think would be a nice little fit if you know somehow Sean Marks could throw some things around and make a move. Um, someone like a Nikola Miritich is a low key guy who you know the Bulls are looking to ship out. I think everyone keeps talking about. Um, if the Nets can buy low on it, um, then I would certainly advocate it for it. But I'm sure the, the Bulls will be wanting something in return. So I guess that's something that might not actually be as be as likely to happen or as realistic. And even like even uh, someone like a, a Malik Beasley out in Denver, who's you know not really getting the time that I think he deserves with the with the injury to Millsap. And I think that he you know as a three and D guy. Um, you know, those guys are probably the most valuable position in today's NBA. Um, so, you know, if you want to take it a punt on any of these young guys, even Miritich isn't, I think he's only like 26 or, or under. So I think any three of those guys I think would be a good fit. I'd love Charic. Um It's just whether the, the assets and the pieces are there for us to make a move or whether, like you mentioned, the G League route is the better way to go.
2: Yeah, I mean, thinking about it, maybe we could see the Nets in some type of three team trade where they're picking up a younger yeah. type of player where, you know, they're pulling it, pushing out. Sorry to say this, Jack, but your guy, Joe Harris, and maybe moving a Dinwoody or a Tyler Zeller. You know, those are all guys that could be nice rotation players for a contending team. So maybe the Nets are able to make some type of deal where they're bringing one of these guys. And like you said, I think not only would it be something that really can't hurt the future in any of the young pieces and any of the draft picks, because I don't think the Nets want to move those. It has to be somebody who kind of fits into what the Nets want. And they obviously need somebody at that four position. They just need another big that can shoot threes. Yes. Like, I think that's, you know, part of Kenny's offense. And if they don't have that guy or somebody who can at least, you know, shoot a little bit from three, obviously we've seen Zeller, we've seen Allen, but it's still not to the point where it's really getting a lot of respect. So I think a three-point shooter in the front court would definitely help.
3: Yeah, and it's not even the fact that you know because they're going to be wide open no matter what, and they're not taking you know three threes per game, four threes per game. Whereas you add in a guy like a Miritich or a Saric, or you know, if if the Nets decide to go down the route of going like a Hazonia, even um, as a, yeah. as someone who's a, a guard who can sort of play, I guess, some small ball three then, yeah, those guys actually have to be respected from the perimeter, whereas a lot of our guys, even Quincy Acey is getting these open, ridiculous shots, and sometimes he forces them, and like, you know, it's like, you know it's going to come out wrong, and you know it's not the right shot, and he should just pass it off. It just Um, looks
2: awkward sometimes, and he still takes it. He does like this weird hesitation pass, pump fake, but no one's even close to him, so there's no point in pump faking. It's just like, he's just a mess right now, and it sucks because he shot so well from three last year, and this year he's just like all over the place, and it's killing the Nets offense
3: when he's out there. Confidence is everything in basketball.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, if they add somebody like that, it's definitely going to help the spacing, and maybe it'll make life easier for guys like Alan Crabb to drive to the rim. So I think some of the Nets' problem is sometimes the spacing isn't necessarily great. So I think adding another shooter, obviously, will always help. Definitely. All right, Jack, uh, a couple quick questions before we get out of here. Who do we see first, Jalil Okafor or D'Angelo Russell?
3: Well, that's a good question, Nate, because there's been the rumors have been heating up the fact that you know, D'Angelo was at, a, at one of the, the NFL football stadiums in, yep. indoors and they were saying that he's running or, the you know, you put two and two together. So um, he's back running, which is a good sign. Uh, people are saying, you know, mid to late January. I'm going with Julio Okafor just because I think it's a lot easier to get yourself in, you know, he's healthy. He's just not game ready. Whereas Lo needs to get both of those right. He needs to be healthy and game ready. So I think Jalil is more likely, and I think we see him maybe against the Magic. Um, it, it, I wouldn't be surprised to see you know maybe oh, not. Against you're trying to say team. I'm
2: going to see his uh, first home appearance, Jack?
3: I reckon you might see it, Nick, and I reckon <laughs> you've got to get some photos on Twitter and get some videos on Twitter for us, get some live video for us of um him popping in because I reckon there's a distinct possibility it could happen. I mean, I'm not saying it's set in stone. I don't know Sean Marks. I don't know Coach Kenny. I would love to uh, <laughs> as much as we. We love our, our Brooklyn Nets. We don't have really any inside takes. We're not Nets daily. But I think there's a distinct possibility. You know, with Nikola Vucevic out, um, you know, their, their front court, Bismack Biombo isn't really, you know, uh, any sort of threat. And um, I, I think there's a there's certainly every chance that he suits up then.
2: I think one reason that could help him too is all these back-to-backs and all these games so close we could actually kind of need him to play, especially if there's any type of injury to a Zeller You know, a Moskoff or an Allen. So I would not be surprised to see him play. I agree. I think Okafora play first because, like you mentioned, D'Angelo probably isn't even 100% healthy yet. And then he even said when he gets healthy, he wants to make sure he's 100% ready to go out there and confident. So he might take a little extra time to make sure he's 100% to go because obviously the season doesn't really matter that much in terms of wins and losses. So letting D'Angelo get to that 100% mark is a lot better. All right. If uh, you had to pick one guy to get traded, who's more likely to get traded, Joe Harris or Spencer Dinwiddie?
3: Well, it's a tough one, Nick, because I think the Nets are more likely to trade Joe Harris just purely because of what Spencer Dinwiddie has done for the team. And I think he's got a bit more youth on his side where I think he is actually a piece that you can build Around. like he could easily be with d'angelo and jeremy lynn somewhat healthy he could be a six man of the year sort of contender um coming off the bench a sort of darren collison type despite the fact that he starts um a, a sort of super sub maybe jeremy lynn's sort of 2.0 when he was back with the uh, the hornets. charlotte hornets yep. um i think that's a perfect role for spencer Dinwiddie. and you know against lesser offenses i think that's perfect for him so i think unfortunately the man who I'm going to be voting for the all star game because mm-hmm. I can't vote for him to get in the three point contest, uh, Joe Harris is probably on the way out. And as you mentioned, Nick, you know, if we can get a young piece or a pick for him, um, I'm all for it. Despite my love, I can I still have rationality to me.
2: Yeah, I think the Nets, what they need to try to do, and I think I've mentioned this to you in the past, is try to package some of these guys. Like if you can package Dinwiddie and Harris, or package Zeller and Harris, or Zeller and Dinwiddie. Like you're gonna probably get a better chance of getting a first round pick or better type of young player, yeah. so I I don't really necessarily want to see them just trade the guy to trade them to get something back, but try to package them and get something a little bit valuable. Definitely. So if you had to make a guess, Jack, when are the Nets gonna get their next win? Is it gonna be against the Heat on Friday, the Celtics on Sunday, or against the Magic on Monday when I'm there?
3: Look, I'm I'm saying the Celtics is unlikely. I'm thinking the Heat is a chance. We saw um, how we played against them. Uh, down in Mexico, and we were certainly in the game up until probably the last quarter and the last half where the Heat really got us defensively. Um, so I think that we're every chance uh, against Miami. Um, you know, Gordon Dragic has been waning a little bit in this form of like Hassan Whiteside's return to the lineup, So I guess we need to worry about that. Uh, but I think, you know, you can almost lock in your win against the Magic. I don't want to lock it in per se because they have beaten us this season as well. But um, I'm going with, I'm going to go, I'm going positive route. I'm going to go, we're going to get the win against the Heat.
2: Yeah, I think so too. Kenny does a good job of really getting this team up after they catch a body. Like they caught a body against the Pelicans. That was an embarrassing performance. And I think there's enough to be shown from all three games. Like, you know, guys, like when we do this stuff right, we can get the win. And I think the Heat aren't a team that are, you know, playing and, you know, hitting on all cylinders so we can steal that W. Celtics game is going to be tough, like you said, and I'm definitely hoping for that win against Orlando.
3: Can't wait, Nick. and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all the fire tweets that you give us while live at the game. You're going to be like an insider.
2: I, I mean, I, I'll try. I'll try. But I get sucked into that game pretty hard, Jack. So I don't know how my tweets will be. They'll be I half remember, gibberish.
3: I, I, I remember, I think it was almost this time two years ago, um, I was at Nets versus Lakers. And um, I was that, I, I've told you about this, but for all our Buzz fans that haven't heard, I, uh, my girlfriend's parents bought us tickets and we were literally row D um, mid-court. So it was the perfect seats. Like literally you cannot get any better. I was like seeing like um, Adriana Lima like stand up like probably two rows in front of me. John McEnroe was like two rows in front of me. I could hear like Nick Young yelling at the refs getting attacked. I could hear like the, the oohs and ahs from that Larry Nance dunk. Being at the game and being at Barclays as well when it's, when it's pumping, oh, it's something else.
2: Yeah, I mean, the environment at the game and like sitting that close is a completely even different game because you're getting to see the players in a different light than you've ever seen them before compared to TV. You have a better idea at size, quickness, speed, athleticism, strength. And even even though, like you said, though, being at the game in general, even if you're sitting up top, down low in the middle, you know, it's just being there, the environment, Barclays Center, they have some great food and stuff. So it's always yeah. a good time going there and fun That's to check fun. out the fan shop and then waste your money.
3: Oh, yeah, the fan shop, I, I bought probably $200 worth of stuff. <laughs> and I think I was there, uh, like, the year before as well for my birthday um, because, you know, I love your country so much. <laughs> and it was around sort of the, where they were doing the Black Friday sales and I'm like, this can't end well. And I think I bought about, like, three snapbacks and, like, so many, like, jersey T-shirts. Funnily enough, being home, um, looking through my wardrobe, I realized I thought I lost my Jeremy Lin T-shirt jersey well, I found it in my my wardrobe back here. So it's like, it's almost, that's an extra Christmas present for
2: me, Nick. Yeah, there you go. Definitely always love to grab all the Nets stuff you can. It just sucks when, you know, they catch a loss and you don't want to wear it the next day. It's not as bad for you, Jack, because a lot of people probably don't know if the Nets won or lost, but, you know, no, like in the all. Northeast, they have a better idea. But that wraps it up for today. As always, you can listen to Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and otgbasketball.com. Jack, thank you as always, and thank you everybody for listening.
3: Hashtag NBA vote, Joe Harris.
2: Get really into your favorite
1: shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. Learn more at Xfinity.com Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet, excluding Internet essentials, one device included. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.